The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into the podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Jackish. Matt is joining us today, ready to talk some photography. You know, Matt, I know you've done a couple other shows, uh, Matt Payne's and also Photography Vlogcast on YouTube. Um, But if anyone is unfamiliar with you here, why don't you tell us how you got into photography and, and the story on what led you to where you are right now? Holy cow. That's, that's just a monologue that would take hours. I mean, uh, there's no we got time, man. We got, <laughs> there's no easy answer to that. It, it was a, a multitude of, of small catalysts and large catalysts that sort of just gently steered me in this direction. It was never a sort of one of those moments where I had an epiphany and it was like landscape photography. That's my life. I know that, uh, it, it really happened gradually, slowly over time. Uh, there was a process where I was really searching for a creative outlet. Uh, and this is where I've arrived on it. And I'm, and I'm here and I'm happy to be here. Uh, I love photography and I love everything about the way that it challenges me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's really tough to, to pinpoint what exactly started the whole thing. Um, I have a love of travel. I have a love of adventure. I have a love of storytelling. Uh, and I've just sort of merged all of that into one. And, and this is sort of the medium that I've stuck with. Is there a, like a moment when you were out with your camera, you know, you, you talked about searching for kind of a medium and ability to express yourself through art. Is there a moment, a photo that you can remember that, that, made you just be like, you know what, this is it. This, this is what I want to do. Oh man. Uh, a moment. I'd really have to think about that. Uh, in 2010, I, I backpacked, uh, solo around the world and I had a little point and shoot camera with me. And some of the things that I captured with that camera, even though I didn't really know what I was doing, they were just things that I didn't even know were possible in this world, the places I didn't know existed, people I didn't know existed. And I guess some of the, the faces of the people or, or the places I had been, uh, and I'm reaching, I'm trying to dig deep for, for one image. Uh, one image I, is hard. It's, it's really, you know, if I think back and, and reflect on my own question for me, it's a series of images, almost an, an experience, a whole weekend where I went somewhere. Huh? Yeah. You know what? Actually one is jumping out at me. Uh, and this goes back to 2010. So this is before I was at all serious about photography or knew what I was doing, but, uh, I went up to the great wall of China. Um, and I, this is bad, but I, I, uh, camped overnight there, uh, on an abandoned section in a, in a guard tower, basically. Um, and the next morning, this fog bank had, had come up one side of the wall. Like I, it was kind of on a knife edge Ridge and this fog bank had, had sort of built up on one side and it was pouring over the low points of the great wall of China. And I'm up here in this guard tower, just watching this happen. And this is all before sunrise. And, you know, I'm trying to capture it on my little camera and I'm not doing it justice. But I, I still captured something amazing, 
and the moment is preserved. Um, it was a moment I'll never forget. That whole night was incredible. Uh, but I guess that was, you know, it, the, the, the image itself was a bit of a fail, but the experience and everything around it was like, wow, like if I knew what I was doing with a camera, that would have been, that would have been an awesome shot. And, and I guess that was one of the little, you know, things that sort of led me down the path of, okay, I want to get a little better at this. I want to, I want to pursue photography and, and figure out how I can better tell these stories visually. I'm pretty fascinated by not only just that story, but you briefly mentioned just backpacking around the world like it was no big deal. Um, what made you decide to do that? Uh, uh, well, that's another long story. So uh, I have a day job and my job is air traffic controller. And... It's a routine job. I've been doing it for a long time now. I've been doing it for almost 17 years. And a job like that, once you get it, you're in it for your life. Like, you know that that's going to be your career. You're going to be in it for the long haul. And, you know, I got in young. I was 23, 24 years old, and I was staring down the barrel of the rest of my life. You know, it was scripted. It was this job. And that was scary to me. That was that was knowing what, what my life looked like for the next several decades was terrifying to me. I felt like I'd been sentenced, but at the same time it was secure and, and it was, it provided. Uh, Anyway, a few years into that career, I dug into some paperwork and I found uh, this program they have at work called self-funded leave. And basically what that entails is uh, putting some money aside through the company and then, taking a, a set amount of time off, an extended amount of time off, and being paid that back that money when you're gone. And so I'm looking through this paperwork. I'd never heard of this thing before. Nobody was using this program. I'm like, wait a minute, I can I can just live live below my means and then take a year off? You gotta be kidding me. Uh, so I immediately signed up for this thing. I, I started you know, diverting part of my salary and uh, I took 2010 off basically. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, Obviously, it was. I hadn't traveled much before that point. It was scary. It was. Uh, it was wonderful. It was. There was just so many aspects of life that I, that it opened my eyes to, and and it. it I came back a completely different person. I mean, it, it, so for me, it was just basically. Long story short, I just needed a shakeup. I needed. A, I needed a, a way of, just sort of replenishing myself with from this from this job. And uh, it's something that I've now done uh, four four times. I'm actually just finishing up my fourth one, my fourth sabbatical. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll go back, I'll work for a few years, and then I'll take off again. You take up the entire year uh, between six and twelve months. So uh, I've taken I've taken the full year. I've taken six months at once. I've taken ten months, and and currently I, I'm just uh, on a sabbatical for ten months right now. So. When you decide to travel the world, backpack around the world after, I mean, taking your own words, not traveling much uh, before that, what kind of preparations did you decide to take? And and photography wise, um, what did you think you were going to experience when when you got there? Uh, That all depend on how much planning I did. So in the very beginning, back in 2010, the very first trip I took, uh, I had no idea what I was doing, and I wasn't really a photographer back then. I did have a camera, a point and shoot, um, and so for planning, I 
was literally in the process of planning every every day, every week of that trip for 10 months. I was planning the whole thing, uh, where I would go, what I would see, where I would stay, when my flights were, all that stuff, you know, because that made me feel like comfortable and knowing that I had a plan. And I had a friend who was sort of checking in with me and, and asking, oh, so how's, you know, trip preps going and stuff. And I just kind of showed him what, you know, oh, I planned the first three months already, you know, and I'm going to plan the rest of it. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're doing it all wrong. You do not plan that amount of time. You just go. You just go. You do not have expectations. You do not have an itinerary. You just go. And I'm like, oh, geez, he's right. Like I'm doing this wrong. So I immediately stopped planning. Uh, so after the first three months of that trip uh, finished, I just sort of made it up. I made every day up as I went along. I just did what I wanted to do. I went where I wanted to go. Uh, I showed up to a place without booking anything. I, I knew I'd find a bed. I booked flights the day or the day after, uh, you know, one day in advance type, type thing. And I just made it up as I went along. It was like time was canvas, man. It was it was awesome. It was just so good. Um, now, down the road, when I got into photography more and took it more seriously, then yes, more planning did come into play because I wanted the trips to be productive. I wanted to get good shots. I wanted to get to good viewpoints and uh, be there at the right time of year. And so that was, there was more planning involved in the, in the future trips when photography became a priority, just so they would be productive and for, you know, the, their end result, which was photography. You mentioned that it changed your life. Uh, I'm curious to know, how would you describe yourself before going on that journey and, and then afterwards? Oh God, man, that's, oh, that's tough. Write me a 10,000 word essay. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you see how other cultures um, live, other people live, how little they have, how happy they are, how they interact and commingle, um, all that history that they have um, and, and the troubles they've gone through, it just makes everything back home feel more petty and, and it, like, it's not really like, we're not really, we don't have it nearly as bad. Like our lifestyle, you come home and you look around and it's like, our lifestyle is the exception. It's not the rule. Like we have, we have head and shoulders way more than everybody else in the world and the way, the way things are here and everything's orderly. And um, I mean, yeah, things here aren't perfect obviously. And, and they have their own challenges, but just, I mean, watching how other people live, that was a big one for me. And it just sort of opens your mind to, um, I guess, how circumstantial people's identities are, really. And and so that makes you more empathetic, I think, overall. So I think I, I became a more empathetic person from this trip, from the, from the travels. Uh, you just, you're just more understanding overall. And, and you're more flexible, I think, as well, because of that. Maybe more compassionate. More minimal, maybe? Uh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, once you kind of, it's, it's a bit of an addiction, the, the lifestyle. And uh, you want to make sure that you're quick on your feet. You've got nothing weighing you down. So so for sure, you, you, you survive with less. And, and yeah, also because you see how other people are doing it and, and able to, to, be extremely happy with very little, basically. Like you just don't need a lot. You really don't. One of the things you said, um, you know, going at it with with no expectations and, and approaching that trip that way, and you kind of just diving in head first after being fed that uh, piece of advice. 
that's something that, that so many photographers who come on the show talk about, you know, going out with zero expectation and something that, that I've heard over and over and it being beaten into my brain so many times, I was finally like, you know what, let's try this out. Let's see what happens. Uh, and, and it has made me a much happier photographer in the long run. Was that a difficult lesson for you to learn? And, and going from just traveling to photography, was it a pretty easy approach when you did pick up the camera more seriously? Uh, so I think my answer is yes. Uh, when you're, uh, when you're out and about exploring and you don't really have any expectations, that's a totally different experience than when you do have expectations or when you've done a little too much research or you have something in mind that you want to achieve, uh, that versus just going into it with a blank slate and a camera and, and going into it wide-eyed and, and fully open to whatever you encounter or whatever catches your eye. Those are two very different experiences, absolutely. And I, and I do both now. I mean, I, I pre-scout sometimes. I find something I like, but I don't get the conditions I want. And I go back and I go back and I go back. And doing that, it's not – you're definitely not, like, having a great time. Like, it's repetitive and it's frustrating. Um, so the exploration side of things is much more, even if I don't get a picture out of it or find anything that I want to shoot, it's, it's, it's an experience that I value more. I'll say that. Um, however, like when you, when you do pre-visualize something and you finally pull it off on the fifth try, that is rewarding in itself as well. Um, but there's an element of perfectionism in there and perfectionism is certainly not a path to happiness. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that you can almost never achieve. Uh, if you know what I mean, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Are you a struggling perfectionist? <laughs> I think we or all are. a recovering perfectionist. Oh man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get away from it to be honest. Uh, uh, what's the opposite of that? I'm, I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a born again, uh, basically lackey who's not not a perfectionist i'm just I'm just trying to make it up as i go along that's good that's good I, i'm scrolling through your instagram feed as we talk right now um and and there's a lot on there that, that's pretty amazing but there's a lot on there that's really diverse and and just scrolling through it and and seeing all the different kinds of photography on there i'm i'm curious how would you describe your approach, your style of photography? Um, I'm still really in love with grand landscapes. So uh, a big one for me is, is certainly uh, big, powerful scenes, often large mountains. Uh, I, I really endeavor to capture a very definitive subject. So, so the sense of subject is usually very defined in my images. There, I, I do less abstract styles. Um, I really try to compose in a very uh, specific way to really isolate that subject. So whatever I want the main lead in my picture to be is going, everything's going to be sort of complementing it in some way. Um, so, so there is that. Uh, however, I, I'm constantly trying to revolutionize my, my style and, and not get stuck in a, in one specific 
way of shooting or seeing. So I think there, there are a few examples of where I try to branch out and try something different or try something new. I mean, I'm not trying to just put out uh, crowd pleasers or images that are true to my quote unquote brand. I, I want, I want to branch out and I want to grow and learn as I go in this. And, um, you know, looking at other photographers work really helps to do that as well. Cause they, you, people see things in different ways and, and they help you see things in different ways. Can I guess your influences of, of who you tried to emulate? Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be too hard. Uh, let's see. I'm going to throw two names out. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Mark Adamus and Ryan Dyer. Oh, big time. Yeah. Two big names for sure. What does uh, it mean to you when, when I say those names and I put you right alongside them as inspirations? What, what does that mean for you and your photography? I, I suppose that means I'm sort of emulating the style that, uh, or that it's more obvious who, who style I pick up after. I don't know if it's a compliment. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, create my own style, my own approach and my own, uh, my own subjects out there. But yeah, those, those two names and a few others, uh, they, they certainly had a big, um, influence on particularly my, my beginning in this. Uh, so yeah, for sure. And I've, and I've learned from both of them. I mean, I've taken tours with both of those guys. Who are the others? Uh, Enrico Facetti is a big one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Max Rive. I really admire his work. Um, there's, there's so many, uh, um, those are some of the bigger names. Uh, Aaron Babnick has great work. Adam Gibbs, love his work. Uh, who else? I mean, I, I don't have anything in front of me, but, but the list of names could really go on. Uh, yeah, Ted Gore. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, he's not really sharing as much as he used to or at all, I think. But in the beginning, yeah, he was, he was, I mean, I got started in the 500 PX days. So, so seeing those guys at the top of the front page constantly uh, with, with just, I, I thought they were great, uh, groundbreaking images uh, of, of places and in a style that was all groundbreaking in its day. And I really admired that. And I, I wanted to take what those guys were doing and apply it to the places that I was seeing that I was going and, and yeah, just come up with, with their style in my environment type thing. Why did you decide to go the route of, of taking tours and workshops with some of the people that you looked up to? <laughs> um, interesting question. I can give you a pretty long-winded answer. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Kill Bill Volume 2? Yes. Do you remember the scene where uh, Beatrice Kiddo, that's Uma Thurman's character, was buried alive? She, One of her adversaries buried her in a coffin, and and uh, she was left basically to rot. And, and you're left wondering, oh, sh shoot, how's she going to get out of there, you know? And then it does a flashback to her Kung Fu background. You remember that scene where she's learning Kung Fu with that mm -hmm. legend, Pai Mei? Um, and, you know, she's up in the mountains in China learning Kung Fu with this guy. And, and he's, he's this really eccentric master who humiliates her and, and, you know, tears her down and builds her back up again. And she emerges this 
you know, Kung Fu legend. And I, that scene really inspired me in, in, in how, like, what if you unplugged from everything you, you were and everything, you know, you thought the world was, and you went and you learned something new under the watchful eye of a, of a master at something. And you just redefine yourself under that. Uh, I, I just love that. And, and I went through a, a martial arts phase for a while, but eventually I arrived on photography and I wanted to apply that, um, method where you know you, you take who you think is the best who you think the master is and you learn from them and you immerse yourself as much as you can with that person and you take everything you can from it um and so that's sort of that's what i did i, I threw you know all kinds of money at workshops i learned all kinds of things from from those guys uh you know alex noriega as well um, really artistic guys really great guys to learn from really good experiences uh, i was taking like three workshops a year basically i was just throwing everything at it and um you know mark adamus's style of teaching and shooting i mean he's just a he's a machine he's a beast out there and, and just watching him work it's like oh okay like so yeah you, you basically have to be almost completely insane to to get these shots and and he's so dedicated with it and just seeing his approach to it makes it feel like it's more normal to really, to really get up after it, you know, to, to not sleep much and just get up, up in the mountains and, and, uh, you know, to get, get that one specific comp that's only the light only exists for five seconds a day. And uh, yeah, the dedication involved was great to actually see firsthand and it, it almost normalizes it for you because, because then it's like, yeah, okay. So I'm not a complete, weirdo if, if i'm going to do that too because the end result is often really special you know i had no idea that the conversation was going to turn to kill bill when we started <laughs> talking yeah i mean that that uh that scene stands out in my mind as as being uh really a, an influence on my life because i really just loved that that concept of just go away and learn something new just just completely unplug and detach and 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 get out there and, and see the world and learn something and, and find the most eccentric, you know, master you can and, and he'll teach you. Uh, I just love that. I, I love that a lot. Now, how did, how did Mark though tear you down like Padme does? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say Mark tore me down, but he is brutally honest. Uh, if, if you show him a comp and, and you, you get his opinion on something, you ask his opinion, he'll be honest with you. And he'll say, no, that doesn't work. That, that, you know, that's a sunset comp. Or that's, a, that's a sunrise comp. And, and this is not the right time of day for that. And, uh, you know, you, you missed that tree on the left and, uh, you know, your foreground's no good. Uh, but he'll, he'll, he'll fix it up for you. And he'll be, he'll be like, well, why don't we try this or why don't we move the camera down or why don't you zoom in to, you know, 70 instead of 50 and crop that thing out or include that thing or whatever. Uh, just brutally honest with, with zero tact. And, and that's what people need. That's, that's how you learn. I'm, I'm curious being an air traffic control. I've, I've read that it's one of the most stressful jobs that you can have. Um, and then landscape photography, while it can be stressful at times, can be one of the most calming experiences that you can have as well. Having those two things in your life, is that just an activity representation of balance to you? I, I don't know that 
to be true. Uh, I don't find the job overly stressful. How, very, how would you describe the job then? Uh, routine and methodical. Huh. Uh, it certainly has its moments of, of pressure and stress for sure, but you don't take that home with you. It's very in the moment. Um, so I wouldn't say that the photography ha- has entered my life as a calming presence uh, relative to my job. It's more of a creative presence relative to my job because there's not a lot of creativity in air traffic control. And I just realized quite early that I needed something, an outlet to do that with. And I didn't know at the time it would be photography, just where, where it ended up. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't do it to, uh, you know, blow off steam or, or anything like that. I just, I like, uh, with it, with a with a job that's routine, uh, you you think at first as a young person that you know a, a high pressure job like air traffic control will demand every every ounce of your being and, and it'll it'll be extremely challenging all the time and you really have to dig deep to be able to do it and you do to, for the learning part of it but once it gets routine you 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 can just kind of do it it's like driving in a way. And I need I needed something I could apply all of myself to. I needed something that I could just throw just throw 110 percent of my of my uh, will at. And so it's that it's that kind of outlet for me. And that's what photography has become. It's interesting. I'm, I'm recalling a, a conversation that I had not long ago with Kath Samard about kind of a similar approach, like photography for her was creative and everything up to the photography point was mechanical. And she said the mechanical process and the routine of it helped her free her mind to be able to think creatively. Um, thoughts on that? Huh. I mean, I'm definitely not a technical minded person, despite the, the job I'm in. Uh, so for me, it is more of a, a flow state that you enter into and you're really just, it's really just about looking and being mindful of, of what you're seeing um, and trying to convey that and depict it to an audience and, and tell its story. Uh, so there's a lot of creativity that goes into that for sure. Um, but you do need to know, obviously the technical abilities of your camera and just sort of what tools you have in your toolbox to do that. Cause, cause the greater understanding you have of, of the technical side of it, the, the more creative leeway you, you really have to get it done. Uh, does that sort of answer your question? I think so. And I think everybody is entitled to, to their own approach and, and having that, that experience kind of leads you into flow state makes total sense on, you know, not worrying too much about the technical aspects of it, but approaching it, you know, as to just what you see in front of you could, could be a big change to how you see photography, not worrying about, you know, the settings so much. And, um, you know, if this composition is, you know, right per whatever this person says. Yeah, I mean, I try not to stick with the the guidelines for good compositions. I just sort of go with what speaks to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do endeavor to be true to form. I, I don't 
I, I want my audience to believe what they see because it is what I saw. Um, so I'm, I'm using the post-processing aspect of it mostly to just overcome the limitations of the camera um, and to just sort of, you know, help draw the eye and, and guide the light type thing. So, and that knowing how to do that will help you decide what you, what you shoot, what you point your camera at, because you're like, yeah, I can, I can, uh, you know, bring out a bit of the light here or I can darken this side or whatever. And I can, I can, I can, it might not be obvious in the back of the camera, but you, you, you know what your subject is and how to draw the eye to it. Let me ask you this. When we got on the call before we hit record, um, you were talking about, you know, photography not being your full-time job. And obviously that's, that's relevant based on the discussion that we're having of kind of the, the comparison between a full-time job and photography and what that can mean for people. I, I think it would be really helpful if you described, you know, w- why you didn't make photography your full-time job because you're talented enough to do it. Yeah. So that is a very, that's a very complex subject for me. Um, I mean, number one, I, I am lucky to have a good career. It's, it's, I, I, and I'm more than halfway into it now. So I feel like I have to stick it out. Um, would I like to only do photography and not have to, uh, work anymore? Of course I would. Uh, but the problem is for me, um, I'm so uncompromising in my approach in photography that I, I do not want to create to survive because I feel like that would invite too much compromise and I would have to find ways to sell. And to sell, you need to appeal to a wider audience. You need to you know, give people what they want. And that's not really why, why I've set out to do this. So, um, and I'm just not a businessman. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I can't hustle. I just have no hustle in me whatsoever. I, I can't sell. Uh, so yeah, for me, photography is more of an escape from that whole world rather than, rather than fuse those two worlds together, which creates a big conflict in my mind. I, I really prefer to have it sort of this sacred space away from all that. What do you think would happen? Well, let me phrase it this way. Um, how has that un- uncompromising self made you a better photographer? Um, for sure, it has impacted uh, the quality of my work and the risks that I take. Uh, I put a lot of time into exploring and scouting new locations and trying to find different shots that haven't been done. And that involves a heck of a lot of failure and wasted time and um, just barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. Um, So I don't think, I I think without the pressure of having to put out content, because just the way algorithms work now, you have to put out content. You have to, you have to be consistent with your, with your uh, posts or whatever you you know, want to call it consistent with your engagement. And to do that, you have to, potentially lower the quality of your work to increase the quantity of it. And I don't do that. I, I, I just do not want to do that. I keep, uh, I try my best to keep the quality as high as I can. And if I don't find anything for a month, that's fine. There's no pressure. I, I, I just keep looking. Um, and 
I often, when I do find something, I, I am guilty of going back over and over again until I feel like I've got it right. Uh, and that's extremely frustrating. And, and it's just, again, a lot of time goes into that that's potentially wasted. So there's just, I can take more risks, basically, is what it comes down to. And I think I think the rewards, uh, for me anyway, I'm, I'm happy with the results. Did you have any artistic background as a kid? Uh, I mean, I, I drew a little bit. I, I enjoyed creating board games and, and little things like that, uh, let me think. You created board games. Yeah, I have two younger brothers, so I would create, you know, just games. I would create worlds, uh, just, you know, just weird little strategy games or weird little role-playing games for us to play. Just, you know, this was all pre-internet, basically. So you had to find ways to entertain yourself. So stuff like that. But I didn't really have much of a creative background outside of that, no. I don't know, man. That's pretty creative. (laughs) <laughs> i i guess uh i have an imagination um and are they uh, different my brothers no creativity and imagination um sorry uh i i guess it depends how you use it um maybe not maybe they're quite similar uh I think I think maybe creativity is is the application of imagination. Mm, there we go. Yeah, I think that's it too. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people have great imaginations, but but unfortunately, they don't have the time or the resources to to really exploit that. How does that <clears throat> when you're thinking about a shot and and you've mentioned several times, you know, trying to get a single shot that you do have in your imagination. Um, that ability to execute how does that continue to to make you drive to get that same shot uh the if 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 you get something in your mind if you're like oh this would be a great scene if only the light did this or the clouds did that or or whatever and you know in your mind that it could be awesome and even though you can easily fake it with Photoshop or whatever, what, painting it in the sky, but but you just know it could be awesome, and and it's it's almost like this mathematical perfection when it does happen, um, even if it only lasts for ten seconds or whatever, and you get it into your camera, and and it, everything worked out great. Uh, it's just it's just such a great feeling, especially when you've created something, you've captured something that you know has never been done, and and you know because the timing and the dedication it took to make it happen is probably something that will not be replicated again. Um, for me, I get a lot of a high degree of satisfaction out of making something like that. It's interesting. So many people's approaches. And, and I think the benefit that I have of, of doing a podcast like this is hearing people describe their mindset and their execution of, of what they imagine because I, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty early in my photographic career on how I see things progressing for, for myself and to Mm -hmm. listen to you describe that approach, that dedication to something that you can visualize and imagine, um, is not someplace that I'm at just yet, but it does also give me confidence when I do start to think that way, um, 
because I, I could describe myself as lazy uh, with photography, not dropping in skies or anything like that. But if I say to myself, in contrast to what you just said, you know, that it would be great if this happened. I'm just like, eh, but it didn't. And I probably won't be back here for another four years. So, <laughs> yeah, when you start to think in terms of pre-visualizing and you develop a catalog of all the shots that you almost got but didn't, uh, it really comes down to time management, doesn't it? I mean, you 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 almost develop a, a priority list of of places to go when the weather is doing this, and if you have a free day here, uh, then you you race off to do that, or you race off to do this. Um, based on what you think you're going to get. Uh, it's it's extremely frustrating because rarely you actually do get what you want. Uh, but I've, I've altered my perspective a little bit in that, hey, I'm out in the mountains, I'm getting exercise, I'm getting fresh air. I don't attach myself to the end result until I get the end result. Um, and I still have a massive backlog of, of things in my mind that I haven't pulled off yet. And in a way that kind of just keeps you going. It gives you something to look forward to. Uh, it gives you a reason to get back out there. But it definitely takes a sort of a creative stamina, I guess you could call it, or fortitude to just keep trying. How many of those places do you have on your list? Oh, man. I mean, I've got a bulletin board beside me with uh, two and a half pages, single spaced, uh, of places that. I either have something in mind that I want to get or, or want to explore. And those are only the places I've written down. And those are only the places in Canada and the United States. It's not even talking internationally. So I, I have enough to keep me going through this lifetime and, and many more. I mean, uh, it just depends if I get fed up with, with, you know, spending my time this way uh, because it, it is, it does pull you away from other aspects of life that are important. Uh, like friends, family, and, and community and all that stuff. Uh, it's a different way of being, for sure. Is that difficult for you? Uh, it. I go through phases where I ask myself, uh, this, this thing that I'm doing, is this selfish or is it selfless? You know, this, I'm creating something, I'm trying to make something maybe that's beautiful, uh, but what am I really doing it for? I'm not selling it. Uh, it's not making money. And so coming to terms with doing something just for the sake of making something nice to look at, that isn't necessarily for the sake of making money, which is sort of how we justify to ourselves doing anything. It seems now, uh, I, I sometimes struggle to come to terms with that for the reasoning. Um, uh, so yeah, I do struggle with that. But in the end, I'm, I'm proud of what I've, where I've gotten myself to. Um, and and I'm, I'm still pretty excited to see where it takes me from here. It makes total sense. Um, the selfish or selfless argument that you can have back and forth in your mind. Uh, you know, I can relate. Not that we have the same life journeys, but, you know, I have a toddler now pretty much um, <laughs> and going out and saying, well, I'm going to spend, you know, the next few days in the middle of the desert with, with no, um, no cell service or anything like that. And then coming back, um, 
you know, like I, I often ask myself, like, what is this for? What, what does it matter? And then doing so when my wife has a profession in the, in the medical field um, and I compare the two, I'm always just like, well, this is kind of just silly, isn't it? You know, I'm just <laughs> out taking pictures and she's, you know, helping people get well. Yeah. But I mean, if it's, if it's, uh, sustaining survival, then that's certainly a very, uh, important purpose as well. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's that business side of it that I, that I haven't figured out really, but, um, but you need to be out there creating the art to, to be able to, to get to that level. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know what that conversation feels like a lot. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's still, it's one of those subjects that I, that I haven't really come to a conclusion to, but I think it is important. I, I do. I think you're coming back a happier person, a more mindful person when, when you're out there and, and you have, you have material that, that you can, um, you know, feed into your business. So uh, I mean, I, I think that's important as well. Yeah, I'm, I agree with that. Um, and that is true. Coming back more mindful, uh, more peaceful, more calm, I, I would say is, is definitely a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you seem like a very introspective person when it comes to photography. I'm, I'm curious, you know, where do you see your photography going in the next several years? I think uh, gradually I will be uh, moving away from international. Um, so I'll be exploring more Canadian landscapes. Uh, I, I think it will be more subtle, um, but I still love the grand landscapes. I don't think that's going anywhere. So yeah, as far as an artistic standpoint, I think I'm just going to embrace local a little bit more. Uh, just because also it's it's harder to do international right now and it's hard to know when that'll become uh, convenient again. So there is that side of it. Um, as far as uh, potential for uh, business ventures, I, I am going to be getting into tours, leading workshops uh, this year. And for now that's probably the only aspect of of the business side of photography that i'll that i'll entertain so i do have a couple of tours that are planned for 2022 if somebody does plan to sign up for a tour with you in a workshop what can they expect to get uh they can expect a, an adventure for sure uh and and a passionate approach to photography uh i will i will definitely advocate for a lot of patience out there uh, because it does take a lot of time to to set up and wait for that shot. Um, I think a lot of people go into tours with a, a mindset of, of getting a lot of shots. And um, my approach is definitely committing to a smaller number and trying to really come up with the shot. So there's that aspect of it. Uh, I'll definitely be, I mean, I've, I've been on a lot of tours, so I, I'm coming at it with, with, um, the experience of having seen other leaders lead, uh, other artists work. And so I, I have that to fall back on as far as experience with seeing what approaches are good, uh, and maybe other approaches are not so good. Um, 
I think leading uh, workshops, one of the most important aspects is managing expectations and making sure people understand what we will be doing, what they can expect, um, and just making sure people are mentally prepared and physically prepared for what uh, they're, they're going to be in for uh, out, out when we're out in nature. Where can people find you more? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, the online world is basically where you can find anyone more now. So yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook photography page and I have a website, which is my name, mattjackishphotography.com. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking photography, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. And thanks for what you do and giving uh, the uh, photographers a voice. <laughs>